Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Everything is a remix. Nothing is really an original idea. And it's like, I think the same thing when it comes to marketing is all of us are just trying to iterate and find something a little bit more creative and putting our spin on it in a way that makes sense. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today, I have Charlie on the podcast. We actually bond over one thing. I don't think I've ever had an offensive lineman on the podcast like me. So I'm glad to have an office lineman slash marketer on the podcast, but Charlie can give you an insight on not the more offensive line part, but how he got into marketing and then we can get into discussion. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I think you're going to do a better job of the offensive line stuff than, than I am as a, an American versus a Canadian here. But uh, yeah, super excited to, to join you today. Um, yeah. My background, how I got into marketing was actually through video production. I ended up dropping out of university, got into video production and all of the content I was making was ending up on the internet, primarily at the time through Facebook and Instagram. And uh, that's kind of how I got into the the world of marketing. That was my, my exposure as like the start. And then as I started to do more and more content production and it was ending up there, I wanted to learn more about the distribution side of it, which has kind of led, led me down the path of, of social media management. And then as social became this kind of bigger piece of of marketing, I ended up kind of just getting more into that higher level strategy side of things. And that's where my interest in kind of data analytics, insights, research, that sort of thing came from. And uh, yeah, I was able to work at some pretty cool big brands like Arterix, Red Bull, Aritzia. And then, uh, yeah, five years ago, left that to, to co-found uh, research as a service company called Right Metric that helps marketers do audience and competitive Intel research. I mean, those are three, two of the best brands in Canada. And then obviously Red Bull, probably arguably one of the best, probably the best media company that is disguised as a an energy drink company, which is crazy that an energy drink company could do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but I want to go into why is audience and competitive analysis so important for brands the last decade has been like marketers using data to drive decisions right so you know most brands when i was at red bull or when i was at aritzia i had a good idea of who our customer was i knew who was roughly coming to our site you know who subscribed to our email list who our audience was on social what they liked what they didn't like and that's all great and you can use that to get pretty far along but there were these kind of two other areas where where you know we have target audience and and competitors that it was just kind of really, really tough to get an understanding of what was going on there. And when I say tough, I don't mean impossible, but just, you know, it was fragmented. So finding information about those things was really valuable when you could get it, but it was just a pain. But when you got it, you felt like you had a more holistic picture of what was actually happening. And then as a strategist, you were able to kind of be more confident in the decisions that you were making, whether that's, hey, yeah, you know what? We are going to invest in this channel because we see that an audience is behaving a certain way there and we think that there's an opportunity for us. Or we see that there's a brand that we compete with and maybe it's a direct competitor that sells a similar product or service, or maybe it's an indirect competitor, a brand that does a really great job of earning that audience's attention. 
we see them having success with this tactic or this strategy. So that was like kind of the start of it was, you know, I was sitting on the brand side, had that really good understanding of what was happening kind of inside our house, but looking outside our own four walls was, was really, really difficult. And a lot of the solutions on the, on the market were big, slow consulting firms, or it was, you had to stitch together 10, 20 different tools to get a complete picture. And it took a lot of time. So I always just found that, oh, if I could have that complete, complete picture as a strategist, that could really help me with my channel selection or my content strategy or my partnership strategy or what's trending, that sort of thing. So that's that's kind of like how we we fell into doing this. It was really trying to solve Charlie's pain point, you know, five, six years ago. So first of all, let's go into internally. How should you think about gathering audience and competitor research and then the missing piece that you are solving to of which a lot of marketers don't have time to do but the yep. figuring out the market landscape what markets are out there what are competitors doing but how do how as a marketer am i supposed to like first discover who my audience and my competitors like what is your process of how to think of that caitlin Bourgoyne has a really great phrase it's like whoever gets closest to the customer wins that phrase resonates with me a ton and i completely agree with that so for like the basics kind of bare bones, like, do you have a lot of your regular analytics stuff plugged in? So, you know, get into your social tools, get into your Google analytics, get into all the different things in your own space. And like that, I don't think necessarily like most of the people listening to this haven't have an understanding of, of that side of things, but I think it's kind of flipping this thing on its head and going, Hey, if we have our customers and I'll, I'll give an example. When I was at Aritzia, we already had a bunch of customers and we knew who our customer was, but the customers that we already had, we might've acquired them five years ago. And so how we acquired them five years ago on Facebook is very different than how we're going to acquire them today in 2023 on TikTok. It's a different thing. So it's kind of this idea of like what worked then isn't necessarily going to work today. And so, yes, we still need to get an understanding of who that person is, but there are things that we can do to look outside of our own four walls to get an understanding of who those people are. So it's, who are they following? What types of content are generating the highest amounts of views? What are their adjacent interests? What are those sorts of things? And the adjacent interest one, I think, is really unique. And that's something where I just think it's low-hanging fruit for so many brands. So let's say you are a cycling company, a biking company. And we work with a lot of clients where it's like, hey, let's look at that audience. Of course, that cycling audience is going to be interested in cycling. But what else are they interested in that's adjacent? And what other things can you start to weave into your content strategy? Did you know that they're really into hiking? That might be pretty obvious, but they also might be really interested in, I don't know, news podcasts. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast advertisement? Because this biking audience has a huge overlap with this. That might not be something that comes to mind for, for a marketer, but just getting an understanding of like, who is this person? How do they behave? What are they consuming? And having that information in front of you to go, okay, now that I know that, how can we be great strategists and figure out how we can tastefully insert our brand in a way that makes sense with the goal of ultimately like bringing them closer to us and into our ecosystem so that they ultimately buy something. I think also you made a good point, like the person five years ago, for example, might have been excessive user of Facebook. There might have been less options in the market at the times. They might have lived close to wherever a store was that 
that they had access to, but now there's like 30 other stores. Then now they're probably, their time is spread through a lot of other channels. Um, they're consuming different, they're buying different. Maybe now they're into tennis, not into like X, Y, Z. So figuring out what buyers are, are changing and also it's just meeting people and locations where they hang out now, not where they used to hang out. Another big mistake I see is, yeah, obviously there are going to be people that hang out on Meta, Instagram, and some channels, but there's also these like low-hanging fruit channels where where people hang out where it could be they're attending an event that you might want to plug yourself into there on a podcast. So figuring out a way to insert yourself in more than just that one or two digital places that they it might hang out. I think we're seeing like the diversification, right? Like everything that you just touched on is like, it used to be kind of like, hey, these are the main places that people hang out. And not to say that they don't hang out there, but they also hang out here, 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 here. And not only are they there, here's what they're doing. And here's what they like. And here's what they're asking. Here's what they're searching for. Like there's so much information out there that we as marketers can take in to basically inform and just create great experiences. And so yeah, I think that there's something there where in the past it's been like, okay, use use your kind of own audience side of things and and that's great, but that gets you so far. You run into a barrier. I ran into that when I was on like the big brand side. And I imagine also if you're a new business starting out, it's also pretty hard. You might be like, I don't have an audience or a customer yet. And so that's where I think this like, hey, looking out to be like, okay, well, who am I trying to go after? Who are those people? That can be a great way to do it from like through the target audience lens side of things. And then through the competitive intelligence side of things is like, what is the lay of this landscape? What does it work? What works? What doesn't work? How big is it? Are there specific channels? What's table stakes or not? Like all of that is just knowledge and context for you to go out and make a better decision. And there might be some strategies and tactics that you want to steal from a competitor to be like, hey, they actually did this thing really well. Here's how I would take and like put my spin on that. And that goes back to that, I think that TED talk, I forget who did it, but it's like everything is a remix. Nothing is really an original idea. And it's like, I think the same thing when it comes to marketing is all of us are just trying to iterate and find something a little bit more creative and putting our spin on it in a way that makes sense. Even like in the last like four years, right? I mean, we were stuck indoors for a lot of time. So obviously digital strategies were more efficient than events and out of home and out of things. But now People want to be outside. People want to consume things, do different things. So the time that they've been spending on digital channels are way less. And it's also not way less, meaning way less. It's also like spread through five or six channels now with short form video and stuff like that. So it's even more complicated for marker. But I know you, you said to me, I want to get some things of like how a marketer today could 10x their digital strategy by using using audience insights or competitive insights. Yeah, one of the ones I can give that's actually a great example is, I mean, there's things that you can do to, to when I say 10X, it's just, we have things where there's like big wins and then it's also things where it's like, you can avoid huge mistakes. And so we actually had a, a client recently where big brand in the UK, I can't say the name, but big brand in the UK, they had put together, they had their agency go away and put together a really big content strategy for them. And they kind of did this independently of, you know, it was just part of their thing. And they started working with us and they were like, hey, 
can you go away? Like we've, we kind of have some hypotheses and like, we're, we're going to, we have this big content thing. Can you go away and tell us if this lines up with like the behavior that's happening on these channels? And it happened to be, they wanted us to look at a specific audience on TikTok. And we went away and did this huge analysis of, of people in the UK on TikTok for this, that fit within this audience. And when we came back, we kind of ranked like top performing content themes and then like crappier performing, like substandard performing content themes. And what do you know? All of the things that their creative agency had briefed in were in that like substandard performance. They were planning to spend like in the tens of millions of dollars in terms of content production on this. And it was like their big kind of like shebang. And it created actually a very uncomfortable conversation. But what came out of it, I ended up, I was in Europe a couple of weeks ago and ended up catching up with, with the client. And this was, you know, earlier in January when we did this. So it's six months later. And she was like, thank you so much for saving us from like making a huge mistake. And they had actually ended up leaning into some of these other content formats that were popping off that actually cost a bunch less to produce. That was like one example of like not wasting 10 times the amount of money in your budget. And, you know, I see you as, a, as an operations person or probably there being like a marketing ops person being like, nice, we're actually not lighting money on fire and, and, and saving. A lot of people think that 10x always means that like, okay, I am going to, it means like having more revenue or so. I think people always forget that another way to get more revenue in the door is to cut cutting spend and cutting costs and that that's even more more needed today with being more profitable and stuff like that so if you can go to like finance and say i cut 10 percent of my costs or 20 percent of my costs or i saved i'm gonna save 30 percent of my costs that we do this campaign people forget that aspect of marketing they always think of like how could i 10x revenue but the, the other side is like how could i save 10 percent or 20 percent Totally. More, better, bigger, right? Whereas it's like, how can we do the same with less? So I think that that's just an interesting example of like, they would have never known. So without looking, so right there, it's like the simple idea of just, just looking before you leap. We love, we love that metaphor is like, there's all this information out there. You can look before you leap and you can do it in a lightweight way, whether that's working with us or there's so many tools out there. Use similar web use SEM rush. You like, there's so many, like dozens and dozens of tools out there that you can use. It takes a little bit of elbow grease, you know, but like, it's, it's quite amazing what's out there. And then using that to like, sit down and think and go, okay, wow, maybe we shouldn't, or how big is this thing? Or, you know, is there a way that we can try this first? Or, Hey, our, this isn't really aligning with what our assumptions were. We sat as a group in a room and made some assumptions. And now that I'm kind of digging into some things and, and looking around, the ecosystem or our industry, we're seeing that like, that isn't really a thing in our industry. And like, maybe we should pause and wade into this a little slower instead of like jumping in off the deep end. Do you think sometimes, cause I, let's say that content agency that came back with, um, or creative agency that came back with substandard ideas, whatever, do you think part of it is internally some brands just brief like agencies wrong that they don't even know their audience. So like they say, Oh, here's, yep. I know sometimes it's like agencies need to do a little bit of work to go and yeah, look yeah, like yeah. this is like, yeah, yeah, but sometimes course. you brief and say, Hey, this is who I think my audience is. And I think like I want content X, Y, and Z and they go back, but then they don't really know the audience. So they just putting out 
they just listening. I think there's like both sides need to do a little work, but I think there's sides on both. I'm just going back and saying that if if people internally would just figure out who their audience is, it would make so much easier for you internally and when you brief agencies to do work that would so they don't you don't spend hundreds and thousands of dollars telling them the wrong audience that you're gonna go after. It's like clean your house up before you have company over. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's kind of the 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 thing that comes to mind. So so yes, there are some brands that that need to get their stuff organized. There are some brands that don't even realize they need to get their stuff organized and they brief incorrectly. There are some agencies where you'd hope that they would do this sort of thing, but they don't. Like I don't think there's necessarily one, but I think what it comes down to is like the value in just actually having this stuff figured out so that you can actually have a conversation around facts to be like, here is the audience and here is the competitive set and here is the industry. And we can look at that objectively and go, okay, if that is kind of like our source of truth, that's interesting. We're seeing all these things. Great. Now, how we can, how can we have a constructive conversation to build a strategy based on that instead of like the agency saying, I think this. The brand saying, I think this, and then both of those things being kind of like completely out in left and right field, not actually in line with, with reality. At least start the journey with the compass. And so, you know, have (laughs) at least a general, general idea where you're going. Totally. And then you can always, like you said, like whatever you found as a top performing content, let's put... 70% 70% of the budget towards doing that. And like, the, let's just try the one or two things that are different that might just to see what happens. I think like sometimes you can go out and do the best audience research, but sometimes the algorithm just favors something at one time and you never know. So it's like, but at least have the compass to know that, okay, this has worked before. So, I mean, we should, there it's, an easier case to get budget approved if you have prior data to support it. And then then you can do some other things that so you don't burn a hundred percent of your budget on something that you're just guessing on. Um, exactly. So. I think it's it's using, you know, how can you how can you use that stuff to inform your hypotheses? Any research or insight work that you do, it's never gonna say X equals 10, here's the exact answer, do it just like this. What it's gonna do though is give you different signals to be like, here's what we're seeing. That's where I think the most fun comes as a marketer is like where we get to be creative and we get to flex our brains and we get to like sit down. And, and so we've had, you know, stuff in the past where we deliver some research and some people are like, oh, like I, th- that's boring. I can't be creative out of this. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, you can use this to start your brainstorm. Here's what we know about the thing. That's how creativity happens is you need those kind of restrictions and that sandbox to play in to be able to think outside of the box and like come up with something unique. And so, yeah, we found that like using this stuff, there's like the aspect of fiscal responsibility or operational responsibility. But then there's the other thing where like the specificity is actually really helpful for creatives on the on the marketing side. So how if I get, get X, Y, and Z data back and now I have to do the strategy point of it, what does that look like? So I get the X, Y, and Z how should I come up with the strategy now based on the insights? Like, what is that? Just for people who don't know, like the strategic thinking part of like when you get data and then make a decision. So I think the one caveat I want to make is like, we are not a data company. We are an insights company. So the last thing that marketers need is another CSV file with more data. (laughs) And so like, I think that's something for us is we're 
what we do is we take, you know, I'll use an oil analogy. If data is oil, we're a refinery that delivers gas that goes in the marketing car. And so to put gas in the car, it's very, very specific things. So, you know, the type of research that we deliver and like, I think where you want to get to when you do this type of thing is, okay, what can I learn about where this person hangs out? So that's a channel thing. What channels are they spending time on? Is that growing or shrinking on an ongoing basis over the last quarter or not? Then we get into their preferences. What are they consuming? Who are they following? So that could be brands, that could be individual creators, that could be topics. What are these different things? And then it's like within the content format side of things, is it long form content? Is it short form video? Is it more documentary? Is it more action? Is it more animated, live action? Like the specificity there is where it gets really, really powerful because once you get an idea of like, okay, when we look at the audience as a whole, they primarily spend time on these channels. And these channels are growing in terms of popularity quarter over quarter. And they watch content about these topics. And the types of content they watch are short form video and longer form documentary style. And they follow these types of creators, these types of, and it might be like completely non-connected creators. And from that, you're starting to kind of paint out this picture. And then there are different things in there. So as a strategist, you go, okay, what's our channel mix? Are we actually leaning into that channel where we're trying to go fishing. And I say the the famous uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger quote, fish where the fish are. Are we fishing where the fish are from a channel perspective? And then from a content perspective, are we putting the right bait on the line? Are we even creating content that this audience is remotely interested in? Or is there an opportunity for us to partner with a creator or an influencer? Is there another brand that they're interested in that we could co-market with? Like that's where it starts to kind of come alive. And so it's not the Hey, this this like data thing. It's more so the story behind the data and like quantifying it to just know this is the behavior. And that's kind of how I look at it. Like I am awful at math, so that's I think what's like hilarious here is like I technically work in data, but really what it is is like storytelling, quantifying behaviors in a story, and then using that story to inform activities. You basically are taking data to now inform a story and the story is the insights this insights is what you give the customer the client to tell them like okay based on what we're seeing this is what i what i i'm my recommendation of like x y and z and this is where i think you should do and also i think people don't get that like channels have nuances like for example like TikTok's a very interest-based algorithm. So like leaning into interest is a bigger deal um, where other algorithms are not are more of like a network-based algorithm where it's like who's in the network, who's connected in the network. So knowing those two different things, you have to do two different strategies to be able to execute on those t- type of channels. You literally took the words out of my mouth earlier with like compass. So we say compass and map a lot. And so our, like some of the research that we deliver and, and, you know, this is how marketers should think about it. There's pieces of research or insights that act as a compass that are like, are we heading in the right direction? So that could be channel stuff, that sort of thing. And then there's maps and that's like turn by turn directions, like go straight 150 feet and then turn right and go, you know, a mile and then turn left. And that I think is where you get into like those more tactical elements, like you mentioned about like. TikTok's algorithm. And here's the thing that's like very specific and nuanced there versus Instagram versus Facebook versus YouTube. So yeah, you you need both that kind of like strategy and tactics 
map compass and map. That's kind of like how we think about it. And yeah, different different pieces of research or different insights have different value kind of up and down the chain. The type of insight a CMO wants is very different than the type of insight a social media manager needs. I think that's a good clarification too. I think the story you tell to even the CEO of like why why we're doing this to then the CMO who has to take the story you give them to tell the CEO and then then now like the the man the the say the social team who now has to like come up with strategy on how to execute on that it's all different um but it's also the compass thing is i think the way you said is a great way of thinking of it is like insights are the compass but you as the marker have to be the do the more intuitive stuff that like okay you have the data now like there's a boulder in the road. I have to like turn left here because that 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 <laughs> place in the map is broken. Um, like yeah. we can we could tell you to go north, but like, would you rather go over a huge boulder that you don't have equipment to climb over, or do you just want to go around it, take this other route that might be better? So it's like you as a marker uses like your own experience, intuition to to like take the insights and run with them. We talk about this phrase a lot called informed intuition. So, you know, I think there are a lot of marketers out there who are like, I don't need data to tell me what to do. Like, I know my industry, I know my customer. Absolutely. And I'm not saying to like change, change your entire approach. It's just more so like, this is a resource out there. This is a tool. That's like saying a shovel has been invented and you've been digging ditches with your hands, but you're like, I'm a really good hand tunnel digger. And it's like, well, why don't you use the shovel? The shovel's right there. Like you can still dig with your hands if you want, but like the shovel's there. And so I think about like same type of thing here is how can you use this information to help inform your intuition? And, you know, think things change. So I think that's a, a really interesting part of it. Like you mentioned, whether it's diversification of channels, diversification of where people are spending time. We've obviously come out of a pandemic where people are spending more time outside and doing different things. And then another phrase that like comes to mind while, while it's top of mind is, there's a woman named Marissa Thalberg, and she has this amazing quote where you need to look within your industry for information and outside your industry for inspiration. That's something that really resonated with me. So I'll go back to when I was at Aritzia, I needed to look at what Zara and J. Crew and Club Monaco and like what these brands were doing. But that was what I needed to get an idea of like what's happening in the space that I'm working in. But then I was looking at all of these other different places for inspiration about what what was popping off. What did best in class look like on a specific channel? So we're trying to go on Instagram. Here's what fashion brands do on Instagram. But then what are what are theme meme pages doing on Instagram? Those were the ones that were like crushing and growing. And by the way, had a huge audience overlap of the person that we were trying to reach. So what can I learn from those? Oh, that's interesting. Like whether it's their post cadence, whether it's like, should we be leaning into meme culture as a brand and like digging into that? Like, what is Aritzia's brand voice for memes? Like that was a conversation. So it was like, these are conversations that we needed to wrestle with internally. But like, if we hadn't looked outside, if we were just so focused on like us as Aritzia or like us as fashion and kind of had our blinders on, we wouldn't have been able to do that. You have to know the game, the players and the rules before you can go do anything else. Like you have to know that, okay, here are the players that are playing the game. This is the industry we're playing the game in what are some nuances that are in this industry? And then you can go out outside and be like, okay, what are something I can take from this or that or this to apply 
that is different in the industry to break because you can't break a rule if you don't know like a, a rule even exists or if a, if a player exists or um so i like that analogy of like information versus inspiration i think i think too many people rely on solely information for strategy instead of inspiration taking both those those pieces i think too many people are just like executing on the same playbooks as everybody else is executing on i'm really bullish on this concept of transferring and so what i mean when i say transferring is like let, let's think about e-commerce for a second amazon created this expectation for consumers where it was like i want next day shipping or same day shipping and like what they've done with prime that expectation has then been transferred in e-commerce for other, like when I now don't shop at Amazon, I still expect it very quickly, free shipping and like all these things. And so like my kind of take on this is like, I think transferring is human nature. That's kind of where I think about that with like that information, inspiration side of things where it's like, there's so much that can be learned there, whether it's taking search data and using search data to inform your social strategy. Because guess what? If someone's hammering that into Google, they also probably want to see it on their TikTok or Instagram feed. This idea of transferring, I still feel like is like relatively new in marketing, but I think it's a gold mine. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or, or if anything comes up in your mind. I think about it all the time as like people forget that because like, I used to work in B2B that the e-commerce players have like set expectations for like how b2b companies whether that you like or not and it's inherent in their brain that they want speed they want great service they want all these things that and as a b2b company you have to stay be able to give them that or they'll find someone who could do it better than you um of course so you taking those inspirations from like e-commerce and applying it to b2b that this is an expectation that now is just like table stakes in the world. Like it's just a table stake expectation. I also think, I think a lot of people think of stuff, like don't go looking back and be like, okay, this person, what's going on in their world and how is that going to apply to like how it's like, okay, they, they're shopping at Amazon. So that means they can have an expectation of prime. They're doing this. That means they have an expectation of they, they watching TikTok. So, that means that they probably are enjoying short form video, but they they're doing it at a rapid pace. They probably like interest based um, yeah. solutions. Um, they're interested they're, in pop culture. Yeah, like, like what what are they interested in? So it's you start looking at that whole holistic person, and you say, okay, how does that apply to me as a my business? Of like, okay, the consumer shops on Amazon, so how do we? make our service faster stronger yeah. better how do we deliver marketing in a more and that's also marketing like people like i think bezos said like two things that people will always want is cheaper products and faster service like yeah like those are two things that people will ever want so if you step back and say like how could i take friction out of like the marketing funnel to make things easier for customers to buy. Like that's what people want now because e-commerce has come. Um, they don't want to go through 15 salespeople to buy one Totally, um, totally. So I love that word. I never heard anybody say it like that, but I, I, I think about it all the time of like how I started the marketing millennials of looking at meme pages and saying like, okay, it doesn't exist in marketing. I mean, that's how I found you was literally like I saw a meme and I was like, 
damn, that hits close to home. <laughs> and it sucked me in because that didn't exist in marketing because you took something and you transferred it in. And that I think like right there is an example of like looking outside your own four walls for inspiration. Because if you had gone and been like, okay, what exists in the marketing space? Ah, yeah, this is kind of cool. I like this page. Uh, you know, whether it's say it was like marketing brew or it's like newsletter or whatever the thing is, you would have been like, yeah, cool. But if you were like the fact that you went and looked outside and were like, I'm taking inspiration from there, like bingo. And now yeah, it's even, I have a conference coming up in October 18th. And, um, the way I thought about it is like, how can I take inspiration from like Coachella, ACL and stuff like that to make it of like an experience that people are used to that is not that's different than a normal conference experience. Like I know what conferences do because I've been to conferences. That's information <laughs> that you're yeah. saying. My inspiration is coming from, okay, I go to things that are like conferences where people gather, they watch content, which is yep. same as, but how could we integrate those two things together to make an experience? So, yeah, um, absolutely. What's a marketing hill you would die on? I have a very spiky point of view on people who say, don't look at your competitors. I think it's just bad advice. That's a hill I'll die on. People who say, don't look at your competitors because they're going to bias you or you need to be focused on your own thing. That is just bad advice. As a football player, you and I know this, you would never show up to a game without studying the other team ever. It's a great way to lose the game. I feel the same thing in marketing, especially with how competitive it is. Every brand is trying to earn a slice of someone's attention. It's so competitive. I actually just think it's plain stupid to not look at competitors, whether you're going to do anything about it or not, but knowing that sort of thing, I don't think you need to necessarily obsess over it, but in my opinion, it's negligent. If you're not willing to look at that, you need to know what's happening in your space. So that's something that I'm willing to die on. I've gotten in many a battle on, on Twitter and LinkedIn with people about it. So yeah, that's something that I I'm definitely willing to go in on. There's probably a very small percentage of people who could do that. And they're the companies that have a monopoly and then don't have yeah. to focus as much. And they just could be a hundred percent, like more and more customer. But if you're not that. You are not Apple. Yeah. You're not, you Apple. not Apple. Yeah. Like you have to know, you have to know the landscape of what's going on. You have to know who the players are. You have to know what game they're playing. So you can play a little bit differently or how to enter the market differently. Also, even like talking to, only talking to audience is a bad advice too, because it's like, usually like the audience you're talking to is exact same insights that your competitors are going to get. Like you're going to, you're going to get the same exact audience invite as if you're competitive. Like you might talk to one person, but they're, if you have the same type of people, they're going to get the same type of answers as you're getting. So you have to, that's where like, the inspiration thing you got to lean on and get start getting out of like only look talking to customers only looking at pet competitors it's a whole holistic approach like look at customers look at competitors and then you can make a strategic decision about with inspiration competitors customers and then everything else of what people are doing and that's how we look at it like when i think about it it's like a venn diagram with three circles your existing customers your target audience and your competitors and when i say competitors direct and indirect. And those indirect would be that like inspirational piece. And when you have those, those pieces that gives you that holistic picture. And so I couldn't agree more. And I think it is, it is a, sum of the parts thing. There's not going to be one silver bullet kind of answer. 
And also a competitor to me, and to be honest, and I think you think of the same way, is like anybody who is taking attention away from my absolutely my audience like anybody who is taking attention and that and that's not only like the people who are my who are direct competitors that are buying from me but like when i'm a marketer you have to think like this company's also marketing to this type of audience like that person's not only a marketer they might be also a tennis player and they're that that tennis company is going to be marketing to that person too or that person at aritzia might also like jewelry so yeah jewelry skincare like that's an example that i can give is like when i was at aritzia it was like of course i wanted to know what the fashion companies were doing but i was like they're interested in jewelry they're interested in skincare they're interested in this like all these other different things and if you think about it from a time perspective there's 24 hours in a day and we go okay so maybe you're asleep for six to eight hours of those maybe you're working for another six to eight hours of those when you start to like put time into different things. And then you think about, okay, how many hours a day are people online? Even if it's huge, even if it's eight hours a day, they're online. That eight hours, there are so many brands across categories and industries trying to insert themselves there, whether it's media companies, whether it's friends, whether it's a creator, whether it's a brand. And so like, yeah, to your point, there's so, it's so competitive in that like little slice of time, which is why I think it's important to look at like, just what does best in class look like? across the board and that's why you like even the standard of what you put out is getting more and more higher i always say to people like i do believe that our attention spans have decreased a little bit but i do also believe that humans have ability to have a filtering ability um and i think our filtering ability to filter out bad content and bad ads and stupid things is more and more because we we only have limited focus. So if you are doing the same thing or bad or worse, you're just going to be filtered out by someone's brain. So our BS meters are getting better and better. A brain smart. We're getting a bunch of information in there. And the more people put on ads, we're getting smarter and smarter as in yeah. unconsciously as consumers. Totally. And our intention spans not getting that much. I just the ability to pay attention to what we care about is just is getting more and more like finite. Like we will, I will go sit down right now and not look at my phone and watch Harry Potter for two and a half hours with not looking or a football game without like looking or like a F1. I'll look at, watch a whole F1 rate without looking at my phone. You saying that I have a, a bad attention span if I could do that for two hours? Like, no, it's just that I care about that content. It's good content. I want to watch it. I totally agree. And that's a good, another indirect competitor. Like, I mean, the person watching F1 is not looking at your ad right now or like looking at your marketing. And if you're watching F1, you probably should figure out a way to like these, some of these brands like are inserting themselves on an F1 car or like stuff like that. So I'm looking at their advertisements unconsciously all the time. So yeah. How can you seamlessly get in there and insert your brand? Yeah. Um, well, Lastly, is like where could people find you and what you're doing and all that good stuff? Yeah, best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I actually have, if you go connectwithcharlie.com, it'll just shoot you right to my LinkedIn profile. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm most active on on LinkedIn, and then I'm on Twitter at Charlie Grinnell, all one word. And uh, yeah, our our company is Rightmetric, so Rightmetric.co, and yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all your insights and um, 
all the things that you just brought to the table and also you work for some cool brands so i really respect the brands you walk for so i appreciate it well thanks daniel i appreciate the time and love everything you've done with the marketing millennials it's amazing so thanks for having me thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating It helps bring more marketers into our community.